Hello and welcome to the Hope Transforms podcast from Hope Smiles. My name is Jeff Atwood. I'm the executive director of Hope Smiles. We're a not-for-profit based here in Nashville. We are focused as an organization on awakening hearts and transforming lives through dentistry around the world. And, and, and we, Hope Smiles, has been a transformative organization through clinical care and leadership development and the work that we do um, in Uganda, in Haiti, around the United States. And, 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 our, and our focus has always been to serve and to, to come alongside and transform lives of, of people regardless of their background or their race or their ability to pay. And so what we've done historically on the podcast is, is talk about the work that we've done, the experiences and stories and that sort of thing from serving um, you know, in Uganda or Haiti or, or around the world. But, but what we're doing right now in this, in this group of podcasts is, is, is looking at the work that we do that Hope Smiles has, looking at the relationships that we have in light of the challenges facing our country. And, and we're hopeful that we can use this experience and this worldview to shape the efforts um, to help us all improve in our understanding of of one another and the, and the unique way that, that, that God has created us. And so today we're, we're continuing that discussion about the racial challenges and, and, the, and the, the path ahead of us here in the United States. We're continuing that conversation with Pastor James Lowe. He is a senior pastor of Bethel World Outreach Church here in town, um, in Nashville. He's been a longtime friend of Hope Smiles, married for 16 years. He's got three sons a great background in, in BS and social work and, and youth development and intervention programs and all sorts of really, really important work in and around our city. And so he has got an incredible context to all of this. And so, so with that, welcome Pastor James to the Hope Transforms podcast. Uh, great to uh, be here. And only one little correction in that little bio. I've been married Uh-oh. 20, 20, uh, five years this December, I'll be married. I, I wanted to correct that because I have a 17 year old son. It would have appeared in 16 <laughs> years that I had a little oopsie doops. No, no, no. Congratulations. 25 years um, this this uh, coming December. So congratulations on that. Thank you so much. So Absolutely. welcome. So so let's before we jump into some of the sturdier issues of the day, um, maybe just a little background about you and your life. Where'd you grow up, your family? <clears throat> Um, I'm from Detroit, Michigan, a place I love. You know, Detroit is a blue collar place. You know, everyone at some point mm-hmm. in their, their life works in the um, uh, plant. Uh, you know, my um, home life was um, pretty broken. Um, uh, had an abusive parent, single mom, had to run away. Uh, you know, lived homeless a while, lived under assumed names, you know. Uh, Detroit wasn't an easy road. My life wasn't an easy road, but God, uh, I'm here by God's grace, accomplishing God's will um, now. So I'm happy to be in Nashville. I've been in Nashville, um, July 1997, um, I arrived here. So, so what brought you to Nashville? Uh, first and foremost, because uh, I was in my dream job working for Pastor Marvin L. Winans at Perfecting Church. Um, as a pastor, God spoke to me to move to Nashville. My wife was a recording artist already, and uh, me, my brother-in-law, and um, sister-in-law, and my wife started a record label here called Against the Flow Records, uh, and I started Against the Flow Ministries, and um, we came, you know, we've been all over the world doing albums, doing production, doing evangelism, and, and ministry, and that initially got us here. It wasn't an easy road, it had a, a lot of highs and a lot of lows. Um, but God's grace has been there and a lot of people's lives have been touched and changed. 
Mm -hmm. And so how did you end up, are you a full-time pastor now? Or do you still continue to do yes. some things outside of that? Um, I'm, I'm a full-time pastor. In fact, the, um, the job I've done more than anything else is be a pastor. I've been preaching for a lot of years. I don't even have the number of years, but I've been a pastor at this church, Bethel World Outreach Church. I've been here for um, 17 years. I've been on staff for over 15 years. I've been the senior pastor for eight years. And the years prior to that, I was a senior associate. So as this has been a substantial posting from the Lord uh, for me. And um, it's, it, it is uh, my life's work uh, to do pastor. And I still do things on the outside of more evangelistic, still work with my wife. We do some, a few things in music. We have other, other ventures and things we love. And, and we really work, our, our church is about reconciliation. And, and then we do mm -hmm. a lot of work with, uh, you know, creating reconciliation in different places uh, with people who don't know how to get along, don't know how to make it work with God, don't know how to make it work with one another. Um, I think, I don't want to say it's my expertise, but it definitely is my passion. So, um, so, so to dig into that a little bit, when you say reconciliation, how, how do you define that, Pastor? Um, I think the, first of all, I don't believe that the word reconciliation is even an English term. I think it's definitely a biblical term. Um, and it means to make friendly again, to take things that were, that, that should have gone together and help them be uh, reunited uh, with one another. It's just, it's like, it's, it's thinking about humanity. We think about humanity in terms of races, but race in and of itself is a racist term because it's only mm -hmm. one human race, not multiple races, okay? It's one human race. You know, Acts 17, 20, 26, or 26, 17, one of those, uh, says from <laughs> one blood or one ethnos, he made every ethnicity a man, and he gave them uh, their allotted times and places, and he did this that we might seek him. So, yes, there is only one, one human race, and there is a multiplicity of ethnicities, um, and and because we came from one place, we're trying to reconcile. We're trying to come back together first with God and then with one another because it's impossible without him. So I know that you've been doing some work here in town um, with these prayer walks as, as part of kind of this leaning into the, the challenges that we've had in Nashville and sort of how that relates to the bigger world. Tell me, tell me why you you sort of took that approach the prayer walk approach as opposed to um some of the protesting sort of thing wow i mean that's a loaded answer and so there there's so okay. many features 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 around that i'll just i'll just i'll start small and i'll go back if you need me to go back with something but of course let, yeah. let me let me just deal with uh there's so many reasons why I walk but let me deal with the protest part first Number okay. one, there's nothing wrong with protesting. Protesting in and of itself is not a sin. You know, being right. vile or being violent or, you know, th those things are sin. Being angry is not a sin. Be having a, an emotion of frustration, that's not a sin. Um, appealing to the right people the right way, that's not a sin. Um, so I don't condemn protesting, even though I don't participate in, in the modern day version of protesting. Um, and I think it's important. So when we look at Luke 18.1, Luke 18.1 gives us something. Remember, the, 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 here's a widow, and she needs to be avenged, and she goes night and day uh, to the unjust judge who doesn't love God or fear man, says, avenge me. And, and he says, 
I don't care about you and I don't care about God, but I'm so sick of you coming. He said, I'm going to give you what you asked for. And then the parallelism in the scripture is he said, how much more will I answer the prayers of my beloved who cry out to me night and day? So we see the distinction here. Here's the widow who's, who, who obviously is not crying out to God, but she's going to the governing officials that don't even care to get help. And she gets help. So that actually worked. But he doesn't condemn it. But he did say, I want you to use that as an example of what you need to be doing as believers or the body of Christ in order to get results from me. You need to be praying and crying out to me night and day. And so that's a part of a protest. And when it comes to, you want to say anything? Okay. And, no, 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 it, no, no, no. And when it comes to the walks, when it comes to the walk, um, that <clears throat> I'll give you the, uh, I'm gonna try to give you the most abbreviated version and you'll, you will, uh, okay. you can kind of uh, <clears throat> ask me questions from there uh, if you like to. When, um, when George Floyd was killed or for some murdered, and even that's a controversy. Sure. I, I, I had the misfortune of somebody sending me the video. Mm. Um, I, I can't meditate it on very long. I spent months. I, every time I thought about it or, or looked at it, I, I cried. I wanted to throw up the first time. I remember when I seen it. I met, that was the most unwise thing I could do because you can predict what was going to happen. And I, I just, it would have served me well never to see it. Right, because so, you, know, you know how it ends, right? You, you, you know the story. But yes. to sort of see it, because like you, I, I, I saw it and watched it eight minutes or whatever it was, and it was breathtaking. I mean, just, I mean, and, and that's a, a bad use of words there, I think, but it was horrible to see that happen to a human yeah, being. It, and it's kind of like, I think the, maybe the motivation of keep watching sometimes like, it's like when you watch a movie and surely they're not going to let the villain win or surely it's going to change. You know, you, you, you have this human hope that to turn around and then you're and you know, like the scripture says, hope deferred, make the heart sick. And so you have this mm -hmm. hope for this few minutes. And now you have this heart sickness that comes on you and the nation and everybody and, and the revolts were going on. And I was on vacation at home. It was COVID. So no one could go anywhere. I was not doing pastoring work. I was just, you know, enjoying my family or whatever. And, and uh, my kids who are homeschooled, uh, uh, the 17-year-old, 15, 13, my 17-year-old, who's not going to have social media or anything, it's on the news everywhere. So now he's getting all the information. And I, who've seen these type of things before, was on, I had to resign myself. I can't emotionally engage in that right now. It was just overwhelming. But I, I was completely unaware that the world was going crazy. Uh, and I talked to my son about it, try to encourage him. And I, and, I, and, I, and I hadn't yet come into that strong father, pastor mode, teacher, where let me give him a lesson. I, I don't know if I wanted to deal with it emotionally. And so my son, 17 year old, is just me and him at the dinner table and we'd just gotten our meal. And he said something to me, it was, it was, it was striking. He said, um, are you gonna eat that food today? And I said, of course. He said, are you going to go to sleep tonight? I said, of course. He said, even though you know 
myself or you or other African-American people could lose their life? You mean to tell me you're going to be able to sleep and eat and, you know, you know, as a mm. parent, you know, I'm, I'm getting that like, oh, this is the moment. And yeah, I mean, time, time almost stands still for you, doesn't it? Right. I mean, it's like my son is speaking truth to me in a way that I never would have imagined. Right. And he's asking me to act. And so he says, he said, dad, you told me if there was ever something going on in Nashville, you, you would get involved. In. And I'm telling you, uh, there, it was a Saturday night because that's when it happened. Remember, all this stuff was going on on a Saturday night. Right. And remember, I'm trying to stay oblivious and my son is staying up to speed. And, and he says, and dad, he says, I know you're going to tell me to pray. And I prayed. And he said, the second thing I know, you're going to tell me that the answer to this is the gospel. And he said, I don't want Jesus to strike me down, but I don't think that's the right answer right now. Wow. And, and he looks at me and says, so what are you going to do? And it's so how a, did that hit you? How did that oh, hit it, you? It, 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 it hit me hard because, well, I knew I was in trouble, first of all. As a parent, you know, parents, you know you're in trouble when you get certain questions that you weren't ready to answer. And I wasn't ready to answer this. Not well, the problem real... is he's speaking, tr he's, speak he's speaking truth to you, right? Yeah. And that's and that's, and that that's tough. A, I yeah. mean, I had a similar conversation with my 23-year-old daughter. who, um, um, and, and so she, 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 we were talking about all this. And, and again, you know, you and I come from different parts of the world historically because of ethnicities. And, and so she was talking to me and she, my daughter works in the, in the animation world. And, and she went to school in, in Atlanta and she lives in California now, you know, probably, you know, I think of the friends of hers that I know, I mean, a, a big number of them are young African-American men, you know, and she's like, dad, this could happen to, and she just named off two or three of her friends. And it was like, it, for, for some reason, it became real to me at that moment. Yes. And it's like, yeah. all right, everything else is kind of, and maybe I'm putting words in your mouth, it kind of like, that's all the news, that's all the news, that's all the news. But then it's like, oh, it could be these guys that I know and I've had dinner with and have loved and, 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 and to your son. I know, for me, for me, I understand that perspective, but for me, it was really, it had been real for over a lifetime. I knew it was For real. you, it had, for, yes. For, yeah. for me, it was more of, I don't know if I'm on vacation and I'm responsible as a leader and everything. I don't know if I want to engage this yet. You know, I, it, it's, I do care. I mean, cause it affects me and so many people, but um, wow, that was overwhelming. And it's not that I wanted to turn a blind eye. I just wanted to reflect, but I, but what I did is what I hope parents do. I turned to Jesus inside my head. I was like, Lord, this boy got to have an answer and I don't have nothing. And he told me to turn to a Bible verse I had never read seriously before. And uh -huh. what's that? Okay. He go to Habakkuk one. He took it. This is crazy. Okay. God said, go to Habakkuk one. This is all at the table. This is all spontaneous. If you have, you, you have yourself having dinner. Yeah. You know what? Put, uh, what does it say? This is crazy. I don't have one in front of me. 
right. You got one there? I got one. It says, here's, here's Habakkuk, and here's what he says. He says, oh, Lord, how long shall I cry help and you not hear? Or how long shall I cry out violence and you not save? Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice is perverted. And I said, son, and I spontaneously began to preach to my son. I said, son, does that sound familiar? He said, yeah, that's what's going on. It's in the Bible. Now, mind you, it's raw for me too. I'm like, wow, that's in the Bible. What's going on? And, and so, and here's God's answer in verse six. He said, look at the nations and see and wonder and be astounded. I am doing a work in your days that you wouldn't believe. That's why you weren't told. God says, do you understand I'm at work? I'm at work and you wouldn't believe if I told you. And then he goes on to say, I'm preparing the Chaldeans, the Babylonians to destroy you and everybody for the sin you're talking about. Habakkuk complains back to God, basically, if you know the story, and says, hold on, I don't like how you're going to handle that. I want you to deal right. with them. I don't want you to deal with me. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're making this a us, and I'm making it a them. No, 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 that, no, 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 right? It's not personal now, okay? Yeah, that's right. No, yeah, and so, and then, so Habakkuk, so God didn't say anything. And Habakkuk 2 starts, and we all know Habakkuk 2. It's very famous, out of context. Uh, verse when you don't have this part Habakkuk realizes that for all his complaining and all his judging of God and judging of the world mm -hmm. he finally does the hard work of looking at himself this is a difficult thing for all humans he says right. and it starts out I can quote it he says Habakkuk says I will steady myself upon the rampart in other words I'm going to get back in my position, not as a reprover of God, but a servant of God. I'm going to get back in my position as a prophet. I'm going to get back in my position as an intercessor. I'm going to get back in my position where I commune and, and, I, and, I, and, I hear from, and, and I'm going to get back to the church. He said, I was, I was studying myself on a rampart and I will watch to see what the Lord will say. I'm not, he, he didn't say I'm going to now think about what I want to say what everybody right. else is saying. What is the Lord having to say? And then he says, and he said, and then he said, I'll watch and see what the Lord to say. And what will be the answer to the complaint? Then in other words, he said, and I'm going to turn, what that means in the Greek is I'm going to turn from the way I was thinking about it. And I'm going to say, I'm getting with you, Lord. I'm going to repent. Yeah. And then he says, I'm going to write the vision and make it plain upon tablets so they, that Reed can run for the vision is yet for an appointed time. Lord Terry, Wait for it, says the Lord, for it shall surely come to pass to just live by faith. I looked at my son and I said, son, I said, I don't know what to do until God tells me what to do. So I'm going to get up in the morning very early. I'm going to pray. God's going to speak to me. And then I'll tell you. He said, fine. He went to bed and I got up early in the morning. The Lord said, go do your 6 a.m. prayer walk downtown. So I was downtown. We're looking at the aftermath of the riots. Mm -hmm. And I'm at War Memorial. I'm parked at War Memorial and I walk up to the Capitol and I'm just gonna have to devil and I'm just been praying. And I walk up the Capitol steps and they're, you know, it's you know, everybody's on edge and there's a bunch of troopers there. And 
I'm coming, I'm coming face to face with all the things I'm not ready to confront. I don't even know what my emotions or feelings are yet. Yet sure. God got me out here praying. And I, the first thing out of my mouth when I see these troopers is, can I pray for you? Now, I got to tell you, sir, I, don't, I know that came from God because I didn't know how I felt. But it's something about taking a step of faith and doing what God says that he'll, he'll just get you where you got to go. And they said yes, and we kind of prayed, and then everybody started talking, and they were grateful and exchanging cards with me and everything. And it was just, it was like, wow. I walked away, got in my car, and I, I, I didn't, I felt happy and conflicted at the same time, but the Lord wasn't through with me. He said, Jane, okay. uh, get in your car. He said, uh, I want you to go back there and feed them lunch i said god you want me the day after the riots after this day you want me to go feed the police See, yeah and go take go call them and take their order i'll call that what y'all want to eat he said now go pick up your son and i'm thinking this little teenage guy is probably not going to understand this and so yeah. i'll wait i'll wait till we get in at the restaurant i don't even tell him what's going on i said oh, he's going to feed some he said, why are we getting so much? What are we going to do? I said, well, we're going to speed some of the officers. He mean to tell me that your answer, God's answer to everything that's going on is to feed the police. I said, I don't understand it either, but I do know God. And we go up there and me and him are having this little father son like sneering just what's going on I'm like, you, you, you just you, get the table get the food you know just just uh <laughs> and so so we're getting all this stuff and and we get there and and we're actually in the middle of feeding them and i'm like get the drinks and you know we're kind of a little sniffy at each other just you know that little thing you do when you you send codes to your family members that you're displeased with each other and they start <laughs> these officers start loving on my son I remember that moment because it was like God was giving me a picture of the healing he was bringing. I was thinking to myself, man, it's powerful. Reconciliation is powerful because we don't know what we need, but we do need God and we need each other. And while I'm in the middle of doing this, Governor Lee walks out of the Capitol. And I see one of the lieutenants, yeah, governor, governor, come on, these guys are some good guys here. They're, they're feeding us. And I'm like, what in the world? And the governor, and he says, and we was talking, he said, and the first words came out of my mind, hey, governor, you're doing a good job. He said, I don't know if I'm doing a good job. And, and when I said it, I didn't know if he was doing a good job. I think I just, you know, it was just a thing to say. And I had the privilege of encouraging praying for and his wife was there and 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 we talked about God and and I had the privilege later that night that evening to introduce him at an event we were doing called Beyond the Walls and when when the human condition of the heart is let's be mad at the authorities what God was saying let's let's you need to trust me and you need to stay in relationship with one another. And that really sparked me going to the Capitol to pray. 
I went to the Capitol again to pray and he ended up being in the prayer meeting. And I, and then I changed it to, you know what? God began to give me a vision of what Joshua did to take the city. He said, he walked around the city and, um, and, and then the God showed me this little route. It's a little one mile route from the Capitol, from the courthouse where the mayor's office is to the, all the way around War Memorial and everything. It's a little circle. And I said, I'm going to do that. And I'm said, I'm going to do that for seven days. Joshua did it for seven days. And I said, on the seventh day, I'm going to celebrate. And I started these prayer walks in silence. And I didn't even ask anybody to come. Maybe 20, 25 people came the first time because a few people, like your kids and stuff, knew I was going to do it. And um, by the seventh day of walking in silence, and listening to God. I said, when you walk in silence, it means you don't know what to do. Number two, it means you can listen to God. Number three, it means you trust God. And we walked in silence. But on the third day, we shouted and celebrated. And there was maybe 700,000 people there, somewhere in there. And, uh, and it was powerful. And I just kept it going. God said, keep it going every week. And now, I'm not, now this week was my first time I'm going to go monthly this week right here. So we did it for about three months or so. And uh, it's been powerful. We've just seen so much healing and reconciliation out of it. But that's how it came about, you know. And when we, uh, when we walk, well, I love this part. When we walk, we will get to... Uh, war memorial and we'll think about the sacrifices that people made for tennessee we think about the officers risk their life and we pray for them not that the perpetuation of evil will happen we don't fail to acknowledge that there's evil within it but we purge out we read romans 13 1 it says let every soul be subject to the higher power for there is no power but of god the powers that be are ordained by god therefore he that resists the power resists the ordinance of god for he beareth not sword of man he for he is a minister for your good and we, and we say that you are ministers for good. That's what your assignment is. And then we go to the Capitol and we pray for the Senate and we pray for the governor. We pray for the glory of God. We pray for the wisdom and decision makers. And then we walk back because we got all these people from different ethnicities coming together. And I say, find somebody who doesn't look like you and you walk back with them. And that's your answer today. You're trying to figure out, praying is one thing, but walking back with somebody and you tell them what God told you and tell them your story. We walk back with doing that. And then, and when we get back, I let people say what God has said to them and what he did in their heart and what they're going to leave the walk doing differently. And, and the final thing we do, and this was painful. This most painful part happens at the end. It's difficult to talk about. I said, we don't want to forget that this was precipitated because of loss of life. And it's almost as if we've ignored the main problem. There's racism, injustice, and inequality. And I need God to route it out. But there's something about our God that is very difficult for us to understand. And it's the principle we learned with Cain and Abel. When the first murder happened, Abel, though he was dead, blood cried out from the earth for justice. And God heard. But then God gave mercy to Cain in the midst of his judgment. We, got, we serve a God of judgment and mercy. And I said, 
we want just we want judgment and justice, but we want mercy. So we we have a moment of lament, and we take about three or four minutes, and we cry for the families and the victims of brutality and violence. And the sensitivity is we don't have to know everything that happened in the state of everybody's mind to care that lives have been lost. Sometimes we call out those names, we cry together, and then we end celebrating and singing together. Um, and it, it, it was just a tremendously healing time for everybody who didn't know what to do. But you, 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 you left there with homework of not just how to pray, what to pray about, but how to be the answer in your sphere, in your community, uh, in your area. So I get that's that's my question right there. So I, I'm going back to to where you started with the officer, right? You you brought food to the officers and 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 began to understand the humanity that's involved right there. And then so so we begin to understand the humanity, but then then what is the homework? I mean, for those who can't walk with you, what's the homework? Okay, so for me, okay, so for me. Okay, so remember back to the scripture. He said, I will study myself, Hunter. I will watch to see what the Lord will say and what would be the answer. And then I will write that vision mm -hmm. down and make it plain upon tablets. The point of the prayer walks to walk in silence is to listen to God give you a, a whisper. Every good thing, he does nothing without a prophetic word, a prophetic vision. If you just try to enact what you feel or what you think, you're always going to come up short. My question to everybody is, what has the Lord spoken to you? And for some people, he's told them they need to be quiet. For some people, he's told them you need to speak up. For some people, he's told them you need to protest. For some people, he said you need to get educated. For some people, he said you need to start programs. For some people, he said you need to petition the government. For some people, he said you need to get racism out of your heart. For some people, he said you need to get a friend of another ethnicity. God has been telling hundreds, thousands of people specific messages of what they need to do because you have to be the change. Now, and corporately, so that you got, because you have to start as an individual. And I think that's the difficulty for all of us. We want to start with what the government should do, what the church should do. We need to start with what we need to do as citizens. You're responsible for yourself. If you change yourself and you change the heart in your family, that's your first responsibility before you. And then number two, I, I said, how, how, how are we going to go and be different as a church? You see behind me, see those hands. So basically mm -hmm. that's a South African a white hand, a South African black hand. When apartheid fell, we had a church in, uh, in uh, Cape town and that was the billboard that, that was put up all over the city. The Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood, we raise up a standard against him. You have to actually be reconciled with God through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you have to be reconciled with one another. The Bible says, in, he, said, he said, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Old, all things become new. And all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So wait a minute. This is not about looking for a new thing to do. This is about embracing the identity that's already been given. You're a ministry of reconciliation. So if you are not walking with a heart or physically in reconciliation, it looks like that, you know you're in wrong. You're wrong. 
You have to face it. It's hard. Now, I have a multi-ethnic church, you know, where um, it is so diverse. You don't know. You, you don't know. This church is, you, you, if you walk in my church, you just don't know what it is. Because there's 62 right. nations, 62 nations in my church. And so, you know, so, so you have to have this on purpose and uh, as an action step. And, and here, here, let me give you more practical scriptural understanding of what I say when I mean on purpose. Remember when Jacob was deceived by uh, Laban several times. And, and he said, well, let me have all the speckled and spotted sheep and goats. He Laban said, sure. <laughs> That's so rare. Take them. That's so, yeah. You can take them. And then God showed him what to do. He said, when they are mating or when they are feeding, he said, take a branch and peel it down where you can see the white and the dark together and put it before them or put it in the water. And they will become what they behold when they're in their most intimate place or when they're in their most needy place. They'll become that. And God gave them the wisdom until Jacob's flocks were bigger than Laban's. See, God is showing us that he's intolerant of not having this. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. cannot say that the most segregated hour is 11 a.m. on Sunday morning in 1963, and that's still the same case. While schools are integrated, workplaces are integrated, church is still not integrated. So you want to know what the answer is? It's, it's you're going to have to actually be rex on purpose. So that means he had to do something on purpose. So in our church, we don't do stuff with just one ethnicity. We always paired up together, multi-ethnic. And then our church becomes what it beholds. So my one of the big steps is to show people this actually works and it can be done and then give them things like theological constructs to do it. And it's, and it's, un it's uncomfortable because in this world, it's, it's just uncomfortable and but it's but it's doable, and so that it's a the church has to do that, and the church has to acknowledge sin. What I mean about that is you can't. We have to acknowledge our church sins. A lot of slavery and and all of those things that African Americans want to be fake. If you look at the history of the church, they were propagated, and they were they were the church was complicit, but we don't talk about it. So we celebrate the church fathers, but we don't tell tell their complicity in in the this nation's crime and so what happens is now you have a young generation that's getting further and further away from the church because they know the truth but the truth is not talked about so institution of the church become loses credibility the third thing when it comes to the church the bible says when wickedness rules a righteous man man is hiding or hidden the problem is when you look out in society where are the righteous men where is the church taking a prominent role. Political leaders don't have the same leadership responsibility we have. So we have to step up. So it's, in, it's, 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 it's not okay to say, I don't know what to say or do. Get a word from God. He'll give you what to say. He'll give you what to do. Because remember, that's what I told my son. I don't know. And I had to do the same thing. Oh, and the third, the third group, the third group, I'm sorry, okay. is now civic leaders. So you start with the citizens 
making individual changes in them and the family. Then you start with the church, making changes to its institution through recognizing this generational sin, recognizing its need for reconciliation with God and man, and then recognizing that it has to stand up and lead. And then, but the civic leaders who are, who are being polarized, or oh, they made the laws, they made the, they, once we get our act together, they, they will conform because they are part of the citizenship. They are part of the church and they'll have the right heart and they'll, then they'll make the right laws. And that sounds like I'm letting them off the hook, but I'm not. I'm saying I got to put the ax to the root now. And they can make different laws and they can make different statements, but let's get it all in order because no one wants to be the finger pointed at them like they're the whole problem. We need to talk about it holistically. Sorry, that was a long answer. No, 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 no. But, but, to, but to go, to, and to put a bow on it here, because we're going to wrap up here shortly, to go back to where you started with Habakkuk, right? Yeah. Nobody wants to start with themselves. And they don't want to start by being still. You know, it is easy to get upset or to get mad or all those things. But to your point, to Scripture, still your heart listen and then the second step find a way to do something uncomfortable oh yes i mean yes. that that's that that's it right i mean i mean again there's a thousand layers and to your point you know we we can go back to 1619 and we can go back to the church and we can go back to our civic leaders but none of that changes unless you go to where you went that first day you went downtown because you didn't have an answer for your son. You stilled your heart. You listened. You know, you didn't, you didn't pick up a, here's three easy steps to stop racism today in America handbook or whatever the case may be. Because I think, and I'm going to go back. I cannot wait to go back to listen to this again because you, 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 you dropped about a list of 20, some people do this, do this, do this, do this. Those are great things. I mean, and I think the truth is, I think to what you're saying, Pastor, is that we're not all called to do the same thing, right? God created us individually. We each have different things to do, but it starts with being still and listening and then having conversations sometimes that are uncomfortable. 100%. Well, thank you so much. This has been an incredible, incredible blessing to me to have this conversation with you. Um, we, we both are fathers of, you're a father of three boys, I'm a father of three girls. And so it's fun to, to think through how our children speak truth to us sometimes and help us understand yes. where our blind spots are, right? You know, yes. and, and cause us yes. to, to think and, um, and so we're thankful for kids who challenge us to do that. Absolutely. And let me conclude by saying thank you for what your organization yes, does um, because it's so critical. And I've had an opportunity to see the work firsthand and the difference it makes in, in somebody's life of their confidence, of their joy, of their ability to be Thanks. healthy. And so um, thank you so thank much. You. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, we, again, to, to, to learn more about Pastor James and his work, uh, Bethel World Outreach in Brentwood, Tennessee. You can learn learn about them there. Um, Hope Smiles, if you want to learn more about us, you can go to hopesmiles.org and uh, 
see the work that we're doing in Uganda and the United States and, and Haiti and and, um, and and serving folks who, who need transformative work. And so, uh, Pastor James, thank you for your time joining us today. Hope you have a, a great rest of the day. Appreciate your uh, your kindness and your honesty in sharing all of this. Thank you. Appreciate you now. Have a good one. Appreciate you. Thank you, sir. Take care.